CW announces renewals. Linda Carter receives a star. And we discuss Shot Through the Heart. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season three episode of the show titled Shot Through the Heart. But first, we need to catch up on the news. Good news for Supergirl fans. The show has been renewed by the CW for a season four. Yay. (laughs) Yay, yes. (laughs) According to Variety.com, the CW has renewed 10 of its current series, which include Arrow, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Jane the Virgin, Riverdale, Supergirl, and Supernatural. In addition, freshman shows Black Lightning and Dynasty have been picked up for second seasons. Specific premiere dates for each series will be announced at a later time. The network will make decisions on their originals, Life Sentence, Valor, iZombie, and The 100 in May. So, Morgan, this is very exciting. We get another season of Supergirl, so that means another season of Supergirl Radio. Uh, We will uh, continue uh, to create (laughs) episodes of this podcast for season four, and I saw The Legends of Tomorrow uh, has also been renewed. Yes. Even though I don't watch the show I uh, appreciate uh, a renewal so I can uh, continue listening to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Got to keep up with that podcast. <laughs> Got to keep up. We, we need there to be a show that you don't watch for there to be a podcast that you do listen That's to. That's true. <laughs> it's very crucial for my podcast listening. Uh, so I'm glad to see that that show got renewed. So, um, But also Supernatural uh Season 14, wow. Supernatural is going to outlive us all, I I believe. <laughs> so that's very exciting for all of those CW shows. So uh, we'll, we'll get to see more Supergirl next season. Actress Esme Bianco uh, tweeted out that she is super excited to be able to announce that I'm joining the cast of Supergirl. As of right now, we don't know who she will be playing. Yeah, I don't know. But I kind of suspect that, you know, I, if we're going by comics, there are four world killers. Uh, I don't know if they will have four on the show, but we know there's at least three because there's rain, then there's purity, and then they've mentioned pestilence. So I wonder if she could be a world killer. I'm just putting that out there. I don't know, but uh, that seems like that would be a part that would be needed for the rest of the season. That seems like it could be it. Yeah, we'll we'll have to keep our eye on and uh, see who she ends up playing. And if you are interested in meeting some of the other cast members, Melissa Benoist, Kyler Lee, Floriana Lima, and Deachin Lockman will be among the featured guests at the Star Fury The Ultimates Comic Convention in Blackpool, England, which takes place on May 18th through the 13th. If you're interested in attending, you can visit www.starfury.co.uk 
and just click on the Ultimates button. So that's very exciting. So any Supergirl fans in England or anyone who wants to travel to England, uh, they will be featured at that convention. And for our last bit of news, Linda Carter, best known for her role as TV's Wonder Woman, but also uh, known around the Supergirl fandom as President Olivia Marsden, has received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, congratulations to Linda Carter. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And I, I love the pictures from that event. I was about to say, I like the I like the picture you put in our Google Doc where she's just like kind of like laying next to the star, like looking so cool. She is having the best time. And she's very excited about this because it is a, a really incredible honor. So that's that's a very awesome thing that she gets recognized for that. And I'm I'm glad to see that she... She uh, seemed to be enjoying herself, and she looks great. She does look great. She definitely earned it. She's pretty cool. Linda Carter, crushing it <laughs> in these, uh, these, these pictures with the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So very cool. Congratulations to her for that. Um, but that's going to be it for our new section. So let's get right into this discussion of the Season 3 episode titled Shot Through the Heart. And I kind of was a little bit disappointed there was no Bon Jovi in this episode. I know. I feel so I'm going to just have that Bon Jovi song stuck in my head the entire time we record, just like on a loop. And I didn't even get to hear any Bon Jovi. And there was a whole karaoke night. What was that about? What is happening? I don't agree with it. I would attempt uh, to sing it for everyone, but I really don't think you want that. I think I'm I'm just going to... Uh, do what's best for everyone on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear us try that, <laughs> attempt that, because that's gonna that's gonna be painful. That's gonna that's gonna, that's when you you're driving and you just turn off the podcast. I mean, you can't recreate what Bon Jovi does. I mean, I mean, maybe some cover bands do, <laughs> but we are not that cover band. But for we you. are not I'm, that. Cover I'm sorry. Band. I wish I could be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a little disappointing. Mean, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I was a little disappointed there was no Bon Jovi, but. Still a pretty good episode. So let's get to the official description. Uh, quote, when Wynn's father dies, his estranged mother, Mary, guest star Lori Metcalf, reappears trying to reconnect and to explain why she abandoned him all those years ago. Wynn is too embittered from his rough childhood to forgive her, but when a copycat toy man attacks, the two must work together to stop him. Monel tells Kara something important about the world killers, and Alex becomes suspicious of Marin's recent behavior, unquote. So, Morgan, we finally get to meet Wynn's mother, and tragically... Uh, I say tragically because I really wanted to see another episode with Toy Man because uh, he was so good that first time around in season one. Uh, but uh, tragically for me, uh, Toy Man <laughs> dies in this episode, um, but it, it becomes a big thing that brings Mary into town. So what did you think about getting to meet Wynn's mother and how and how how do you think that Wynn handled that? Yeah, no, I, I actually agree about the Toy Man thing. I really liked... I really liked him. Uh, oh, God, how long ago has it been since we saw him? Was that season one? That was season one. That was like <laughs> oh boy, January 2016. That was a long time ago. We were so much younger then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've aged 100 years in that time frame. <laughs> um, but no, I, and I like the actor. I think if I remember right, he was like one of the, uh, the actors from Revenge. So yes. he, he kind of always plays kind of a sort of a soapy evil person and he does it really well so i was sad that he just kind of got killed off screen but it did give us a chance to have laurie metcalf on the show which was kind of incredible um wasn't she was just recently in uh in ladybird right that was 
nominated for an Oscar. That's correct. So, I mean, those are some chops that we had on Supergirl this week. <laughs> Do you think she brought it to the table with uh, Jeremy Jordan? What, what did you think about their conversations and their, their performances together? I know. I mean, Laurie Metcalf, comedy, drama, she can do it all. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I really did. I really did like, um, I, I like the character. And I like, I think for me, it really hit in that scene where they're, I think they're like taking apart the monkey or like trying to put it back together. And she tells Wynn that he has this memory of them going to Disney World or Disneyland like really early in the morning for like no apparent reason because she wanted to get in really early. And she was like, no, I was like trying to go to a women's shelter and we got run off the road. Like you have these memories of you think that your dad snapped suddenly and it was never like that. He was mean all along. And I thought that that was like such a powerful scene for the two of them, especially because I think it's so like Wynn's perspective is really understandable. Like she took off and he was stuck with his crazy supervillain father. Um, but it all, it also kind of went to show that he didn't have the full story and he had even, even he had kind of romanticized their, like their family a little bit more than it actually was. Yeah, I really liked that scene because that's the scene where I think Wynn's hard surface starts to crack. He starts to really understand what his mother went through for him. This whole thing, everything that she's done has been for Wynn. And so I think that when he realizes how much she went through, that she was just as much of a victim as uh, as he was in this whole situation. They were both... Uh, torn apart from each other by this madman. So I, I really liked that we got to see a scene where he did, like, the, the cracks started to get to, you know, his his lovable win self who understood what his mother went through. I, I really enjoyed that. And I also really liked the scene before when he was really hard with her, when they have their little chat inside the, I don't know, the DEO practice room or whatever that is that they have down there where they they always like train each other whatever room that is called uh when they go and they have a have a talk in there i i thought that jeremy jordan he was just he was so good in that scene where he was telling the story of the night that his father snapped and he was alone at the police station and he was waiting on his mother to come pick him up just the way that was written talking about how his feet were cold and you know those kinds of things that would really stick out into your memory and those those sent those sense memories that you would have of that event i thought that that was very effective and i thought jeremy jordan was really really good his performance was the the best that he's ever had on the show and i i it makes me want to see more of this from him yeah i agree i i remember thinking like during that scene like it's monologue time <laughs> like but um it, he was fantastic and i do think they've struggled with what to do with win um maybe not to the extent that they've struggled with some of the other characters but he's kind of ended up on the back burner a lot. Like I couldn't tell you what win storyline this season is because I think it's kind of been non-existent. Um, but I think this episode is a good example of like why you should give win stories because Jeremy Jordan is really good and he could really deliver that monologue um, and really made you feel for him, like feel for the character. And, and I think that that was also a very well-written monologue. Like you said, it was, you, you really like it, you were really went to where he was and, and that he was in his 
pajamas and in this in this police station just waiting for his mom thinking she'll be here any minute and then she never shows up again yeah it was it was really heartbreaking and i i agree i think that this this performance in this week's episode it it should push them to write more stories for him he does not have a story this season. No. <laughs> Even James has the relationship with Lena. That's so true. And if if you ha- if you have less of a story than James does, oh, that's that's rough times for you personally. That, that is a struggle. That's not a place you want to be as a character on this show. It's a bad place. So I would love it if they gave Wynn more to do and they gave him uh, more story because I just I think he is such an under utilized character and actor on the show and so i think this really warranted uh me wanting to see more of him so selfishly i wish the show would write more stories for him because he he was really good here and so we talked a little bit about the flying monkeys uh that they worked on so what did you think about the uh toy man aspects of this episode where uh there's an attack on the deo and they have this showdown in a game factory warehouse uh, and uh, the toy man's uh, coffin blows up like a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> what did you think about all the uh, the action that was focusing around this crazy woman that the toy man uh, mentored? She's trying to kill Wynn as part of his last request. What did you think about all that? So this episode was bonkers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I really liked the, like, the toy man aspects of the episode. It kind of just brings back the fact that like I'm a little sad that they killed off that character because what a weird villain he, <laughs> he, he was. Even from beyond the grave, just super strange. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're gonna go out, I guess also blow up your coffin. Like, yeah. what a drama queen. Seriously. <laughs> he was like, listen, I might be dying, but I just want to make everything terrible for everyone else. <laughs> I want to make sure they remember things are awful. <laughs> and like, I have, I feel like I have a lot of questions about the giant dinosaur toy Mm. like i want to know more about it i want the giant dinosaur toy to have a backstory i want to like go through a day in the life of that giant dino it was cool but if you think about it too much it's gonna fall apart and that's why you can't it (laughs) it made me wonder who's gonna play with that like is that on is that on the market for like a five-year-old who's who is playing with this toy yeah i don't i don't know that a five-year-old should be playing with (laughs) a, a giant dinosaur the size of an actual dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Although she had a lot of weird stuff in that factory that I don't think would go on the market, like the Supergirl life-size action figure. I think that that was catered to what her plan was. So maybe she just created this ginormous dinosaur robotic toy for the plan of killing Wynn. I mean, the amount of time that she must have put into this <laughs> evil Baxter. I just, I, I, one, one of these episodes, I just want to go through a day in the life of like a supervillain who doesn't, isn't like a millionaire and has people to do <laughs> stuff for. Her. Like, I just want to go through that, that woman's like, as she's like putting together the plastic thing for Supergirl and like hand lettering <laughs> the, the, the toy thing, being like, oh, this is hard work. My, my, my dogs are 
barking, you know? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into A lot into of craftsmanship that. went into this. And I feel like she sh- she was like, ex- could we all take a, a moment to just appreciate <laughs> the amount of time that I put into this? <laughs> uh, yes. So there, there were some uh, questionable things in the warehouse. But I did think it was really cool. And I really loved Glenn Winter. I felt like he, as a director, outdid himself in this episode because – I was loving all of the visuals. The uh, the moment in, well, actually the sequence in the Game Factory warehouse, I just thought was really beautifully shot. It was it was dark, and the, he used a lot of lights in there, a lot of flashlights, uh, the light from fire that was coming out of that little uh, truck car toy thing. I don't know what that was, but it was... It was just really beautiful. It, 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 having it in that dark setting enhanced the light that was showing up. So I really, really liked that. Um, and I, I enjoyed all of the toys that were used because I think that that's a very <laughs> character-correct uh, usage of them in a Toy Man kind of centric episode. The the coffin jack-in-the-box, the yo-yo that was used to try to uh, strangle when, those <laughs> kinds of things. I really like seeing that because it's it's just very character correct for a toy man. Uh, I don't want to say centric because it wasn't about him, but it was uh, sort of in the toy man mythos, I guess. Uh, so I really enjoyed seeing all of that stuff. But yeah, it is kind of it, it kind of stinks for Supergirl because when I think about how some shows, some comic book shows bring back their villains. Like I think about Gotham. Gotham, you you know, every 10th episode you're going to see Mr. Freeze or, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, Scarecrow comes back at some point or, you know, whatever. Like they pop in and out of Gotham. And I think it's easier for Gotham because they are part of the cast so they're just part of that kind of rotating cast of characters who comes in and out. Yeah, that's true. Whereas Toy Man was just a guest appearance. He showed up that one time, and it might be hard for them to bring him back. So I think that's kind of the unfortunate thing about Supergirls. They don't really have, like, a rotating cast of villains on retainer that they can just bring back anytime they want. The scheduling must be tough if you want to get somebody back from that was on the show, like, maybe, like, two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's unfortunate, but uh, uh, the Toy Man stuff was great in this episode, um, and the showdown at the DEO I thought was really awesome. The, there's one shot of uh, Glenn Winter used a like a speed ramping shot right before Supergirl uses her heat vision up in the like. Uh, she looks up and she's using her heat vision on one of the flying monkeys, and it's like the coolest shot. I love it. So there were some really awesome things that they did in this uh, this episode with all of the effects with the flying monkeys especially there was even a shot of like a like a POV shot of the flying monkey coming into the DEO so you could see what the flying monkey was looking at I thought that was really <laughs> I thought that that was really cool so um, lots of good stuff there I thought the action sequences were really cool too oh my gosh very action packed even the stuff with Monel kind of doing a, a matador thing with the robotic dinosaur <laughs> I thought that that was really yeah, well done that was cool it was weird but it was cool yeah he uh, he got 
the job done. It, he he did whatever he needed to do, and it, I, I I liked the idea that it, his time in the Legion has taught him some things that he didn't learn on Earth. Like he's he's become a better superhero in his time with the Legion of Superheroes, and he has he knows some tricks now that even Kara doesn't know. So I really like that, and uh, I thought he did a good job of bringing that thing down. <laughs> uh, so it was good to see that Monel got a little bit of a heroic moment in this episode even though when we'll talk about this there was one moment that i was not crazy about with uh monel uh here but that moment with the dinosaur that, that was good stuff very mon positive on that dinosaur takedown yes that was pretty good um and so there was another part of this episode where uh it dealt with a parent and a child and uh it was it was a lot well i don't want to say it was a lot more emotional than the win mary stuff because even that was really emotional there was some really hard-hitting emotional stuff going on here with uh parent-child relationships in this episode so what did you think about what was going down with mirin and alex and how alex sort of figures out that he's having some memory problems and that he might have a Martian form of dementia. What did you think about that? Yeah, I thought that was, I mean, that whole storyline was really rough um, watching because he, I think Mirren even says this, but John did just get his father back. uh, And he's, his father is really the only, I mean, besides um, McGowan, like the only Martian, definitely the only green Martian that, is around anymore. So he's kind of losing a connect. He's losing his father. He's also losing a connection to his home world. So it's really, it's really tough for Jean. I also, I mean, just selfishly, I question why bring on this character and then give him like early stage dementia. Yeah. Seems a little rough. It just, it, we've seen so little of the character. I mean, we all love space granddad. Let's not, let's not even play, but you know, his brown water, his pizzas, his, his earth dollars and his tomato pies, his earth dollars and his tomato pies. Yeah. There's nothing not to love, but it just feels like there we've seen so little of him that, I mean, if we had gotten some sort of, sort of a storyline with him or more of him on the show, I think it would have been more impactful. I was upset about it from a character perspective, but I was also upset about it from like a storytelling perspective where I was like, well, then why even bring this character on the show? I think that's a fair point because uh, that kind of thing probably would have a little more weight to it if it was, say, at the end of the season or next season or something like that when we had actually gotten to know him. But in some ways I can see why they might have justified it. Like, oh, we've seen the backstory of Jean and Mirren's relationship on Mars, and we kind of know that they're living together now and trying to recreate a home. Like, I guess they they might think that they've earned that a little bit, but I, I can see your point because I, I think it would have more meaning if it had come after we had gotten to know him because then, then that way we, as an audience, would feel the loss just as much as Jean does. Like, I, I can feel for it on Jean's behalf. Like, I can feel... Uh, sad for Jean, but I, I kind of almost wish I felt bad for me getting, you know, losing this character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can, I can see the, the point in that. And I feel like it's, it's a problem that Supergirl kind of has where they like overstuff their cast to the point where like a lot of the cast doesn't get a lot to do. 
And then they just kind of shuffle storyline. I mean, we did a whole episode on the, the, the on the, like, <laughs> right. the missing MI, like missing in action storylines of this show, <laughs> the forgotten. And I just kind of feel like it was, he was introduced with a lot more fanfare as if he was going to be a more important character in the season. And then he just straight up disappeared for most of it. And then he came back just to get dementia. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to be in the the show some more. I really hope he is, but it it just fe- it feels a little bit to me like a, a waste of Carl Lumbly. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, it's tough. I, I wish we got to actually have storylines for him and John. Like this is a storyline, but at some point, this storyline might end. I guess I kind of just wish that, like, before they did a storyline like this, we had gotten some other storylines with him, like we had gotten to know him or we'd gotten to see him do some other stuff on the show. It kind of feels like he came on the show. He got to be in the background of a couple episodes and then it feels like they're soft writing him off already. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause he even says, you know, I am losing myself. And I think that at some point we're not going to know Mirren anymore. Cause he's not going to know anybody on the show. And that's the real, the sad part of it is that, once once maybe his his brain or his memory goes then then that's it for his character like he, he might still be around but he's not going to be able to maybe interact with anybody and so i do think that that is really unfortunate and i i thought his story was in the way carl lumbly played him i i thought it was so I, so i've i've had two people in my life who have had these kinds of problems who have had dementia uh, one was my great aunt Ruth. She uh, was in an assisted living home, uh, assisted living facility when I went to go visit her one time with my brother. So we went into the room, and she. A lot of people, when they see my brother, uh, because he looks so much like my dad when my dad was younger, sometimes people will think he is my dad. And so my great aunt Ruth, when she had dementia or Alzheimer's, I, I don't even remember now which which one it was because I think they're a little bit different. Um, she thought I was coming in with my dad, so that was a little awkward and sad. And then a family friend of ours uh, was starting to have some of these issues, and we tried to go. He lives in Canada. He and his family live in Canada, and we tried to go up there to visit him before some of this got worse. And we went uh, this past summer to go visit him, and unfortunately, it had gotten to a point where he didn't even remember my mother. And he was, and he and he was at my mother's wedding. He was, you know, best friends with my dad, um, and he was kind of in in there when my dad and my mom started dating, and he didn't remember her. And he, like my great aunt Ruth, thought my brother was my dad, and so even though. I want to say maybe he he knew that because my dad died in 2006. So I don't know if he knew at that point that my dad was dead. It was a really kind of an awkward lunch because because he kept – he when he was looking at my brother, he kept calling him by my dad's name. And it was really, really sad because, uh, you know, you didn't want to tell him, like – he's dead. Like, you're not actually talking to Norman, which was my dad's name. Um, it, it was it was just a very strange thing that, like, this man who had been part of my family's life for so long, he had no idea who we were. And it was it was uh, really, really sad. He was in great physical health. You know, he was, he was going on walks with a friend of his, but it just, 
some of those memories weren't there. Like he knew, he remembered my, my dad and kind of when my dad started becoming friends with him, like he had some specific kind of memories there. Um, so I, I've, I've been on sort of that end of it, but seeing it from Mirren's point of view was especially heartbreaking because when he talks about I'm losing myself, that's got to be so tough for these people who go through that kind of thing because you know, because like he knows at some point he's going to lose his memories and he's not going to know anything. And that's so sad because you do kind of lose yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know who anybody else is. And uh, I just, I, I found that especially um, really sad because I, I hadn't uh, seen that side of it before. Um, I've, I've had some chemo brain where, you know, like I forget things every now and then, but nothing, you know, that, that kind of thing I've, I've never seen. So, uh, so that really kind of tore me up just from a, a personal point of view that, um, Carl Umbley, I thought he did an excellent job showing the frustration and kind of the anger that was coming out and the way he took it out on Alex, um, was, it seemed very real. Yeah. And I really, li- and I also really liked the way that Alex, reacted because he he did kind of lash out at her but she she completely understood and she was so so thoughtful about it and like she's basically saying like you're going to have to tell him eventually um and that scene at the end when he comes when um uh jean comes into the karaoke bar and she just like takes one look at him and knows that he knows I just so sad like I I think that all the acting in this in this episode was so good in that storyline and everybody just really brought their their a game oh yeah I mean performance in this performances in this episode from from many different storylines were just off the chains good and especially the scene between uh Alex and Mirren when he he kind of you know, fusses at her to leave. I, I thought all of those scenes were really good. And uh, I I also agree that I like how a- Alex handled that because she she tried to inform him, like, you know, you need to tell him mostly because you're going to need some help. You might put yourself in trouble. You might put other people in trouble. You know, you're going to have to do something about this. She tried to be really um, clear with him about what is going to come because, you know, sometimes at that point you can do something about it. So I thought, I thought it was good that she tried to help him, but then when she, um, was kind of told what was what in terms of his feelings, she respected them. So, um, I'm, I'm glad that she, you know, even she even told Jean, like, you know, it's not my place. You need to talk with him. So uh, I think Alex handled that in the best way that she could. Yeah, I th- I thought that the way that she handled it was very very mature, definitely. Yes, and and the way that she picked up on it immediately, like I think even as viewers, you start to kind of pick up like is there something that's like a little off? But like as soon as he said uh, he forgot the grandchildren, I think mm. that's that was a rough moment just watching it because you know he loved his grandchildren. So that that would be such a sad moment for him to realize that he had forgotten about them. Yeah, that's that's really tragic because that I mean that does happen where people forget who other people are. It's uh, it's just it's really sad what that does uh, to people and their memories. Um, but yeah, so Alex did a good job of handling that, and and hopefully you know hopefully even though. You know, we talked about the the storyline kind of seeming like it's now going to maybe come to a close, but maybe they'll use this as a storyline to keep keep Mirren on on the show for a little while at least to kind of show how this affects 
his relationship with Jean and how they deal with it. So um, maybe that could be something that could give way to more story with Mirren and Jean. Yeah, I really hope I really hope there is more story with them, just because I feel like it, it would be so sad to to have him um, not really be part of the story after he was sort of never kind of part of the story. Like I, I'd like to see more with him if they're, you know, working towards maybe like writing him off or not having him on as much. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see what they do with them and, and see how this goes and, and how they treat it. I think they did a, a really good job with that kind of sensitive material. They did. They, I, I thought that they handled that really well in the writing and the acting because it's, it's something that affects a lot of families, and so I'm I'm glad that they um, showed that in a way that felt real, but also sensitive and uh, understanding. And it, it it was used to further the characters' bonds, and I, I thought that that was good. Um, so we also got a little bit of Kara and Monel in this episode, and kind of uh, dealing with the, the weirdness of their relationship and uh, Monel tells her something that's very important about uh, the Legion's mission on Earth. So, uh, Morgan, uh, first of all, where are you on the Mon scale this week? Ugh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there were, there were some okay moments. There were some moments that I just groaned. I almost feel like some of, I, I almost feel like some of it is not even Monel's fault anymore. It's just the storyline, and like <laughs> it's just it's like it's like I see it. I see the love triangle train coming at me, and I can't get off the tracks. And I've just I just have to accept it. It's gonna happen, <laughs> but I can't because I hate it so much. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm on negative this week. It's just this love triangle is gonna happen. There's nothing I can do about it. And I'm going to blame Monel. I, I feel like it's his fault. <laughs> we didn't have to deal with this before he came back. Yeah, that's true. It might not be fair, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. That is the truth of the matter. <laughs> um, yeah, part of me, like the robotic dinosaur, Mon positive. Mm-hmm. No, no question there. The uh, talking to Kara about his wife and how she lied to him, and then immediately... Almost, I mean, just immediately saying, hey, but can we go uh, get some drinks later? <laughs> that was my negative for me. Immediately straight creeping. <laughs> just, <laughs> he just goes from like, oh, by the way, here's this piece of information that you need to like, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need that so much in my life. <laughs> that I don't think he dealt with very, very well. Um, and I did think that it was the way Kara handled that, I thought was good. Uh, she, in that scene in particular, when he's like, hey, you want to go get drinks later? Uh, Kara recognized what was happening. And she, I thought it was funny that she immediately started calling him buddy. Like, she was like, we are friends. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you buddy so I can reinforce that with you because, because this is weird. You're married. You have a wife. Let's remember that. So I thought she did a good job in that scene. And then later in the scene in the bar, um, I thought even even though it was a little awkward because Monel in, ended up telling her something completely different than the situation with you know talking about the situation with Emra, uh, Kara like set boundaries once again. She said, you know, this is not really 
my place. I'm sorry you're not feeling great about what's going on, but I'm not the one that who should be talking to you about this. So I was really proud of Cara that she recognized some of those things and she set some boundaries where boundaries needed to be set. So I was really proud of her for that, even though Monel was a little weird about things. Um, but we did find out that Monel actually did have something important to tell Cara. He tells her <laughs> that the third world killer pestilence uh, in a thousand in a thousand years from now will eventually evolve into blight which is a dc comics character um so the legion comes from the future to our present day i guess we could say uh because if they can find her in this time they can save both the present and the future so that's really important so um, uh, I, I was glad that at least Monel gave her that information. I did, I feel like I didn't understand why they would keep that information from Monel. Like why Imra and Brainy would be like, we can't tell Monel that we have to go back to this time. Like I, I could understand that Monel would be like hesitant to go back because of the car situation. But I don't think he'd be like, no, I think we just got to let Blight, like, just do her thing, you know? We just got to, I, I can't face my ex, so I guess the world is doomed. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't always love Monel. I'm not always Mon positive. But even I feel like he would get over himself enough to go back in time. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like they would have to lie to him to get him to go. It felt a little forced to me. Like, they needed to force this issue between Monel and Imra. And so they forced an issue that, feels a little bit fake yeah i think that that is a fair point it because he does say that they didn't tell me because they didn't think i would want to come back to this time it's like there's a difference between not wanting to do something and like and knowing that you have to do it like i don't want to go to my doctor but it doesn't mean i never go to the doctor (laughs) like like i'm sure that he would have come back if he was like well i guess I, i could save the world but I'd have to see my ex-girlfriend, so I guess, uh, sorry, world. Like, it's just, it felt very, it felt very forced to me, the whole, the whole um, explanation for why they lied. So that kind of took it, took me out of the story a little bit, too. Yeah, and I kind of wish that everyone, like, Imra, Brainiac 5, Monel, all of them had been, I wish they had been together to tell Kara this stuff. Agreed. And, and I and I wish that we had gotten their perspective a little bit more on it. It's We're, we're, t- we're getting this from a very Mon-centric perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is Imra? Like, I want to hear from Imra. Yeah, because it sort of made them out to be the bad guys, Brainiac 5 yeah. and uh, Imra. And I, I thought that that was unfair. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I get that they wanted to have Monel and Kara have some moments together, uh, just writing wise, but it, it sort of threw the rest of them under the bus, uh, which I thought was unfortunate. And I also thought that there was a, a little moment there between Monel and James where Monel asks him, you know, are you happy? And James says, I'm working on it. And Monel, uh, you know, wants to, you know, uh, so I'm not a drinker, so I don't is, – is it a toast? Cheers. Cheers. Um, and he says to working on it. And so it seemed like Monel was basically telling James, you know, I'm not happy, but I'm working on it. Yeah, that's the, that's the impression I got too. And I was like, 
Oh God! <laughs> I heard I heard the ghost train in the in the distance. <laughs> ooh, ooh, come and get me! <laughs> I don't know what that means. Does that mean that he's unhappy with Emra and that he's going to work on it with Emra, or is he unhappy with Emra so he wants to work on it with Kara? Like I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know either. It's uh, maybe he's unhappy with Emra and he's going to work on just sitting around pouting about it, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I was getting from this episode. Yeah. So. There was there. I was I was a mixed bag. I was a mixed bag on Mono this uh, this ep- this episode, and so I, I don't know. I, I I guess I now have to apply the Mon scale to various points throughout the episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's no just overall uh, uh, spe- a spectrum here. So it's it's now I think changed the Mon scale for me a little bit. Now I'm having to switch it back and forth during the episode. <laughs> it is indeed a sliding scale because it slides even throughout the episode. Even in one episode, you could slide from the top to bottom. The Monel scale tips. <laughs> yes. So uh, it was a little frantic for me this this week. Um, and so we have a big cliffhanger uh, that we we didn't really see Lena much in this episode. We heard a lot from her <laughs> and her voicemail. Uh, but we didn't get to see her until the very end of the episode. So what did you think about the reveal of what Lena has been up to? So uh, I think we have another uh, Lena Luther hashtag boardroom or ballroom uh, <laughs> situation. Because I know that when I'm in a lab, I think not a lab coat. I don't want that. <laughs> I want like a, a nice, a nice Maybe maybe a nice cocktail dress. I I definitely want a floral, a floral, a nice soft floral. <laughs> really brings out the science in my eyes. Uh, it was, um, besides that, I don't. I mean, I really don't know what's going on with the with Sam and with Lena. Like, is is she doing tests to find out what's wrong with Sam? Did she just uh, construct by herself that little <laughs> that little container that she's got her in? She's like on display it's like a glass she's got a like behind glass i i don't know what i'm more concerned about whether lena constructed this bunker on her own just for the sam case or has lena always had this underground bunker just laying around doing experiments on on things and people I don't know what is more concerning. I feel like she's definitely has that. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, finally, a, a reason to use the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? It's bunker o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, it seems like Lena has progressed in the what to do about Sam situation. <laughs> uh, so maybe she has figured something out. I'm, I'm really curious uh, about what she knows what she's figured out because she it did look like she had put sam in some sort of isolation room uh so that she couldn't hurt anybody so it makes me think she suspects that sam is rain do you think she knows or is she just like taking precautions see that's what i couldn't figure out i was like what does she know does she know that sam is rain or does she just know that sam might be dangerous and uh the you know, if somebody might be dangerous, that's what you, that's what you have the underground bunker for. That's what you've been preparing <laughs> for this whole time. Wouldn't it be great if like the twist is that Lena is like secretly a doomsday prepper and there's just like 
all these canned foods and like diapers and it's like it's like when you uh watch an episode of like extreme couponing and the, they like get like a whole bunch of diapers but they don't have a baby like <laughs> <laughs> like lena's just got a whole a whole closet full of dog food and they're like do you have a dog and she's like no but what if one day i get one <laughs> like, she just got she's just like caressing a whole thing of coupons she's like i'm ready i'm ready for it i'm ready for the big one <laughs> well i was um I was a little bit disappointed, I mean, with the the wardrobe choice, just because it sounded like she had been pulling all-nighters. That's what she tells James, that that's the reason she hasn't been responding to his phone calls until the point that she calls him at the end of the episode. And I, and like you, I was like, why why is she like in this dress, which I thought was a little weird, but that's just my taste. Um, and it's I assume she had heels on, and it was like, well, if you're pulling all nighters, wouldn't you be like in your I don't know in your sweats or your jeans or something like wearing your sneakers? I'm pretty sure that uh, that Lena Luther does not have sweats. I think she's got that one sweatshirt, that one uh, National City University sweatshirt. And uh, that's how you can tell she's really at the bottom of something. (laughs) Like she's, she's hit rock bottom when she puts on that sweatshirt and she's like, my God, my shoulders are covered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lena Luther does not like her shoulders to be covered. They are the source of her power. So when they're covered, (laughs) you know, things have gotten really dire for her. I was just thinking it, you know, at least some sneakers or something. Some wear something comfortable while you're walking around doing your sciencey stuff. Some sensible footwear, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, something. So uh, I guess she's down there pulling all nighters in, uh, you know, cocktail dresses and heels. I guess that's how she rolls. But yeah, I'm curious to see what she's uh, been doing. Like, has she been experimenting on Sam? Running tests? What is happening? I don't know. I got the impression like running tests, but I don't know. She might be experimenting. She might be like, what is going on with her? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I need answers. I need details, Lena Luther. I need to know what you know. Wouldn't it be great if like the camera panned over to Sam in like the bed and instead of like being in a hospital gown, she was like in a full length like ball gown, like a poofy ball gown. <laughs> still, still asleep with like an IV in, but just in a, a ball gown. <laughs> While you're under my roof, you will wear the clothes I put you, I put you in. Oh, yeah. Well, that would make sense. I mean, that's uh, what you wear when you're hanging out with Lena Luther. <laughs> So we'll have to see what uh, she's been up to, I guess, next week. I think we get more of Sam slash Rain next week, so we'll have to see what's going on with that. Um, so, Morgan, are there any other things that uh, you kind of wanted to to talk about that we didn't talk about? I know we'll, we'll get to some karaoke uh, stuff in the feedback because a lot of people had thoughts to share about the karaoke. But are, are there any other thoughts, any overall thoughts you had about uh, Shot Through the Heart? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm still disappointed that there was no Bon Jovi, but... Um, no, I really liked this episode. I, I think to me, it just really drove home. Um, first of all, how, like what a good character win is, but also how little we see of him. Like this is a, was a huge episode for him. I think it was his only really win centric episode of the whole season. And we're, we're pretty deep into the season by now. So it just kind of, it brought home to me, like 
if if Wayne is going to be a character on this show, I'd like him to get more to do. Yes, and I think giving him a mom who could maybe, well, I don't even know at this point if Lori Metcalf could recurve. His mom is Lori Metcalf, so that's going to be tough. I don't know if Roseanne has already shot all their episodes and that they're they're airing now. I don't know what that is, what her schedule is like, but it seems like she's a pretty busy lady. She is in demand. <laughs> She is a treasure, and it's going to be hard to get her back, I think. Yeah, and it seemed like the show was trying to put some focus on when, like Kara tells Mary, uh, she says, uh, Wynn doesn't always get the credit, but he keeps us going around here. And I thought that that, you know, that's a nice sentiment, but I don't think that's enough for Wynn's character. Yeah, it's it's like a nice sentiment, but it's, it's also kind of saying, like, he doesn't, like, get enough credit. Like, he's literally just kind of the exposition in the background. But that's not, I mean, I want a little bit more from his character. Yeah, I, I was like, that's nice of you to say, but... It's nice to say, but also, what if he was also, what if he also got a storyline occasionally? <laughs> yeah. And um, also the uh, the bringing in of Wynn's mother sort of tied into James and his family a little bit, because Wynn and James have that talk, and I was like, well, now I want to see more of James's family. Like we don't, we've never met James's family. We've heard about his dad and his dad's camera. He mentioned a sister, and I thought to myself as I was watching, "Did we know he had a sister?" I don't think so. I don't think we did know. I mean, I I very clearly remember what happened to that camera, <laughs> but I don't I don't remember a sister ever being mentioned. It's just I I really do wish that some of the um the the side characters were a little bit more fleshed out at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't forget the camera because that's part of the origin story of the Guardian. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, R.I.P. Camera, never forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I actually did really like that moment, though, when Wynn was, was upset and he was outside of the bar and James came out and Wynn kind of tried to make him go away. James was like, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to, I'll just... I'll just stay here then. I'll just hang out here. Yeah, he was a really good friend to win in this episode. He was such a good bro. The only thing I want to mention is that what I thought was interesting, I learned a little something. There was um, a name associated with the Game Factory Warehouse. Um, It was called Wiggins Game Company. And so I looked that up, and that is an Easter egg to a DC Comics character named Willard Wiggins, who is a toy salesman for W.W. Wiggins Game Company in Central City, and he's also the father of George Harkness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang. So that was pretty cool. So it wasn't just a random name on the side of that building. It was actually a borrowed from a DC Comics character, Willard Wiggins. Ooh, that's cool. And even the logo of the uh, the company had three W's in it for W.W. Wiggins, Will, uh, Willard Wiggins. So I thought that that was pretty clever. That's very cool. I did notice the three W's, and I, I thought to myself, is that supposed to mean something to me? Uh, so now I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, no, but to other people, <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the internet that told me about it. Uh, it did mean something. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, Internet. Always coming through for us when we are ignorant about these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought this was a, a great win episode. I, I love that they even uh, recognized the idea that he's been trying to fight 
the concern that he would become like his dad. He says, you know, I've spent my entire life trying to fight off the part of me that's like my dad, um, but now I can use it. So I thought that that was a a great way to um, show his growth as a character and show that he's kind of gotten over that and he wants to kind of channel those things to do good instead of to do evil. So um, I I really enjoyed this episode on a character level. And there was a lot of great action. So I, I think overall it was a... It was a stellar episode of Supergirl. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, uh, but let's find out what some of our listeners had to say about Shot Through the Heart. We have a tweet from at Mad, uh, Mad, uh, at Madtown Davidson. He said, I thought that was a really good episode that balanced some good emotional storylines and really fun action. The main thing I liked was the whole gang was together. Karaoke, uh, or karaoke, maybe. Um, <laughs> Kara and Monel being emotionally mature with each other. Eh. Uh, James and Wayne. <laughs> I mean, they are in this episode, but I, I mean, listen, that train is coming, guys. Just, just get used to it. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, I'm just really bitter. Um, (laughs) James and Wynn are still buddies. The show sometimes has trouble balancing its large cast. And I thought this episode used a lot of characters really well. I would agree with that, actually. It did. I mean, everybody had like a little something, which I think was really nice. Yeah. And um, I would also agree to that. And uh, since since we're here, I guess we could talk about the karaoke a little bit. Um, I thought it was really well done in terms of how each character's song that they got up to sing meant something for their character. I really, really liked that. The uh, Take On Me that Wen sang with his mom, I thought was appropriate because they're kind of taking on each other to, you know, to spend time with each other and get to know each other. And then uh, Kara, where did I have it in my notes? Kara sings Intergalactic which I, I was like, well, that's fitting <laughs> for an alien from space. What did Alex sing? Do you remember? Alex sang Celine Dion's I Drove All Night. Oh, no. <laughs> that's right. Did, did she stop in the middle to take a drink? She did. She did. That was incredible. <laughs> she did. And Cara's like, who let her pick this song? Which uh, I will say, part of, and I think they even kind of mention it in this episode, that part of car- karaoke or karaoke is that there's a strategy to what song you sing. Like, for me, I'm never going to sing Celine Dion. I'm never going to sing anything that's done by, like, a diva that you can't replicate. You know who I would suggest um, never trying, uh, attempting to sing, would be a Florence and the Machine song? Yes. I'm not saying that from a mistake that I made in the past. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just putting it out there as a general disclaimer. (laughs) I feel like there's a story behind that, but I'm not going to press you on it. It's still too broad. (laughs) (laughs) Florence and the Machine, that's 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 a good one to add to that list because there are just certain singers... That you just, you can't... Like, the Adele song might seem fun. <laughs> Have you ever tried to really say... No, like, take turn the radio down and then listen to yourself as you sing it. You might think you sound like Adele, but that's because she's singing behind <laughs> you. <laughs> when it's just you, oh boy, it's different. <laughs> part, part of me wants to try Adele uh, at karaoke can be really brave about it. But uh, there there is that concern with Adele. I, I would also put Kelly Clarkson on that list. Um, because there are some Kelly Clarkson songs, and I'm like, yeah, I could totally th- do that. And then there are some songs, so I'm like, no, that's too high for me. I would say the one Kelly Clarkson song I would always recommend, 
is Since You've Been Gone. Because that song is literally just screaming <laughs> Since You've Been Gone. Like, that's that's all you really need for that song. You don't need to even know how to music. <laughs> <laughs> Can you scream the word Since You've Been Gone? Good. You've got it. <laughs> but see, I, but see, I want to actually try to sing it. And then that would be my mistake, is that it's too <laughs> yes. high. So, um, so there are some, some things there that I, and I, what I thought was funny about Cara's comment is that like, there's no reason that Alex should have been singing Celine Dion because you, that's just one of those no-nos. Yeah. But I thought it was actually pretty fitting. Um, cause it sort of made me think that maybe she was singing about Maggie. Maybe she's still not over that. Um, Jean, uh, his song was Whitney Houston's So Emotional and I thought that was fitting for this episode because his storyline was very emotional. I like that he was basically just reading the lyrics. Yes. Like he like was barely even attempting a, a, like a, a beat behind it. I think it, I, I can't remember what the exact term for that is, but I think it's like talk singing. Uh, I, I think uh, what's his face in My Fair Lady does it a lot. Henry Higgins. Oh, really? I think it actually has a name. I think it's called Talk Singing, and I think that's what Jean was doing. Uh, you should ask Amy from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to her with some musical <laughs> questions. Get her to uh, let you know if there's an actual term for that. Um, let's see. Marin sings Elvis Presley's Suspicious Mind, and uh, I thought that was uh, fitting for this episode because it kind of sort of plays on the Martian mind powers and the, the whole storyline about his mind and his, you know, his memory. Um, and then uh, Monel sings Carry On My Wayward Son. I couldn't place that one. <laughs> I didn't know the significance entirely for that one, but uh, I like that Monel apologized after he sang it. That was really funny. <laughs> I, what he should have been apologizing for is not singing Bon Jovi. I mean, come on. And and he likes Bon Jovi. He likes Bon Jovi. The name of the episode is such a tease. I mean, I'm not over it. It really, <laughs> honestly, it doesn't make sense that Monel specifically was not singing Bon Jovi. Because he and Emra, like, that's, they bonded over Bon Jovi. Even Emra knows about Bon Jovi. That's a mistake. I feel like Emra would have sang Bon Jovi for me. <laughs> Emra would have belted it out. It would have been beautiful. It would have been, she would have brought the house down. I also thought it was really funny in the, uh, in the karaoke scene um, where, like, Wynn is about to start singing and you're like, yeah, because we all know that Jeremy Jordan is, like, an excellent singer. And that's, of course, when he sees that, like, the news about his father and he doesn't end up singing. And you're like, no. And then at the end, it, he uh, his singing is really off. So I was like, oh, I thought we were going to get, like, a nice musical number. He had to be the character. He was not Jeremy Jordan. He was Wynn shot doing karaoke. So he had to play like he was not a fantastic singer. <laughs> I bet that's probably hard. If you're a really good singer, you probably have to really struggle to fake it. But I, I personally thought Kara, I think she gave the best performance. She really worked that stage. She, she was <laughs> doing those dance moves. So uh, I thought they were all really enjoyable. But uh, let's get back to the feedback. We just wanted to take that side, that side uh, bar there to talk about the karaoke since it got mentioned. So let's uh, pick up with at Kaya Ma underscore Matsui's tweet. Yeah, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, so we waited nine weeks for this? Cool, cool. And then it's like one of those little emojis with like the little sweat drop. <laughs> 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 like an awkward emoji that's like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> how are you guys? Did you have a, did you have a good break? The <laughs> That's so nice of her to ask. Uh, the best part about the episode was Alex singing slash crying. It made me laugh and cry at the same time. Lena's dress was also great. We need to pray for Space Granddad. 
Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, so dot, 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 they can't leave me with a cliffhanger that intriguing about Lena and Sam and come back with a win centric episode and expect me to be okay with it. Maybe it's because I don't really like win, uh, but I hated this episode. I'm truly sad for space granddad though. I love him. Um, at Chris Fundalinski said, I'm so happy Supergirl is back. I can't stop smiling. Uh, Jeremy Jordan killed it. Uh, then the 100 emoji. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The only thing is, I can't get the Wicked Witch theme out of my head after seeing the Flying Monkeys. Um, at Aildu, uh said, I really enjoyed this episode. Wynn and John's storylines were great, and I love that at the end, Car stood up for herself. Now the DEO should let Lena be in charge of their security. She built a cell capable of holding rain in, and they can't even keep their guns away from a mom. <laughs> That's a really good point. I mean, the mom is is Laurie Metcalf. I mean, there is that. So she's got that going for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> at Mark HB uh, PWM said, loved karaoke or karaoke. I guess karaoke, right? Let's let's just go with karaoke. Karaoke, okay. And thought. Kara Lumbly did a great job of singing and staying in character. Also loved the Supergirl funeral rescue. Um, at Jeremy Jordan and Laurie Metcalf killed it to uh, killed it together. James got to do something. Um, Odette Annabelle is overpaid for sleeping at work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we got to hear Kyler Lee sing, and Jeremy got to t- to fake sing badly, which is a very different skill from real singing. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Nikki underscore Renee underscore. Um, oh my heart! This episode was absolutely worth the wait. I enjoyed hearing everyone sing, especially Jeremy Jordan. This episode had everything from action to tugging at my heartstrings to flying monkeys i hope next week shows what lena has been up to with sam um at paradox kid said the show returned with a bang and probably delivered one of its best episodes certainly of season three all the actors shined but jeremy jordan masterfully took center stage and rightfully so the family dynamics theme made this episode as heartbreaking as it was enjoyable um and then at enrique uh V B Jr. said, I was mon positive this episode. Excited about seeing a Monel suit. I still blame Wynn's mom for killing Randy Meeks in Scream 2. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, wow. Enrique, hold it on to a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> Can next year's crossover be a karaoke tournament? Uh, is this Blight the same Blight who is Terry McGinnis's arch enemy in the Batman Beyond comics? So I think so. Um, I went to our, our good friends over at the dc.wikia.com site. Thanks for everything that they do over there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh, for well, your services. Um, this entry says that Blight is uh, associated with Batman Beyond, so that tweet is correct. But the, the Blight is also a, a race in the 30th century who fights the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, they are techno-organic beings composed of technology and rotting flesh, Ugh. spreading their control over the universe uh, using something called the Dota's Stargate technology to teleport everywhere. So there is Blight, which is a character, and then there's the Blight, which seems like it's a race of people. So it could be either one, but maybe it is since they talked about how Pestilence was going to become, it sounded like going to become a character known as Blight. So maybe it is that uh, Batman Beyond version of Blight. Hmm, interesting. 
Um, and then I think our last tweet is from at uh, Dougie440, uh, 448. Uh, they said, I need to rewatch the episode because the whole time I thought Wynn's mom was the bad guy and I kept waiting for her to turn. That colored how I saw her. And we also received a voicemail that shared that concern as well. Hey, Supergirl Radio. My name's Marisa Cuervo, a.k.a. Mark146. just want to say I'm glad Supergirl's back after the long, long hiatus. Well, awesome episode, and I'm just going to make this short. Um, did anyone think that Wynn's mom was the villain for this week? Uh, that took me by total surprise when it wasn't her, because it felt like it was her this whole time. But I'm glad that Supergirl's always keeping me on my toes. Anyways, can't wait for next week, and take care. Bye. You know, I honestly kind of, for at least half the episode, was kind of expecting that to happen, too. She did, I mean, Laurie Metcalf, honestly, a treasure. But she did <laughs> seem a little sh- did seem a little shady in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I would agree that there there is uh, something to be said about her performance when she first reconnects with when they kind of she showed up kind of out of nowhere at the funeral and so it did seem a little suspicious and i i I think once she kind of started to tell her story little bit by little bit i started to to trust her uh, a little more but i can see where some people might have been skeptical of her coming back into his life Especially after his dad died. Yeah. All right. Well, we have an email from Emily who writes, quote, I just finished watching Shot Through the Heart. Wish I could say it was worth the way too long wait, but I wasn't feeling it. So glad to see Wynn get the spotlight and Jeremy Jordan gave a great performance. But between the heartbreak of his story, minus the happyish ending, the continued ugness of Monel, and the introduction of the all-too-real dementia storyline with Mirren, it was exhausting. I want some fun back into Supergirl and not just a frantic opening karaoke scene. Sorry to complain, this was this is my first time writing to you about an episode and this is not a good way to introduce myself. <laughs> but there it is. Thank you for your podcast and for keeping us entertained throughout the hiatus. Your interview last week with Brett Culp was inspirational and thought-provoking. In honor of that message and the message of his film, I will keep hope alive and the best is yet to come for Supergirl. And Emily, I, you know, those are your thoughts. So don't be sorry for sharing your thoughts, even if they are negative and even if it's something you didn't quite like about an episode, that's totally fine. Um, and I think, uh, since you mentioned Brett Culp, I think we should all, cause I think all of us <laughs> on this podcast and, and listeners who listen to the podcast, uh, I think we all probably have something about these episodes that maybe didn't work for us. Maybe we didn't like, but, uh, Brett talked about with us about uh, hope being, uh, connected to the word possibility. So I think we should think about all the possible great episodes that are still to come. So think about it that way, and we'll hopefully uh, Supergirl will have something uh, more up your alley in the upcoming episodes. And thanks for writing in. I know sometimes people listen to the episodes and, and uh, maybe don't write in or tweet us or anything, so it's good to see a, a new name pop up in our emails. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, so we have an email from a listener named Daryl who asks, why didn't Monel just tell Kara what was going on while they were in the conference room? Dragging it to the end of the episode seemed unnecessary. Also, it should not have been that easy for a civilian like Wynn's mom to get a gun at the DEO. Mm, that's true. Uh, they don't have locks on their weapons rooms. I liked the action quite a bit and was overjoyed to see my favorite character, Lena, at, lo- at last after a long hiatus. And I'm glad to see her helping Sam. 
Um, I'm glad to see Carl Lumley again getting a very meaty storyline. Not as glad to see that Brainy and Imra have been once again banished to the ship. It's good to see Kara putting her foot down in terms of being spoken to about Monel's relationship. Are Brainy and Imra the the jacks of the episode? Is that they how you would are say? absolutely the jacks <laughs> of uh, of a good amount of this season? They're always on the ship, just repairing stuff, just working so hard on that ship off screen. They are <laughs> gonna have it running really well. <laughs> it's gonna be like in tip top position. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think uh, just to drag out the drama that I, I think it's just one of those things about writing an episode you want to have the big dramatic twist or the the big dramatic reveal happen at the end of the episode so yeah it was it kind of forced those interactions between Monel and Kara at one point and then at the end so uh, yeah I, he should have just told her right then and there but I guess uh, sometimes when you're writing these episodes you want to have have it happen at the end and as far as the uh, weapons room thing I mean Maybe the DEO, maybe they operate in in a fashion where they have to have everything ready to go in the moment so that when something happens, like flying monkeys show up, they have to go in there, grab a gun, and it has to be loaded. So all they have to do is, you know, grab it and go. I don't know. I don't know how they operated the DEO, but they definitely did not have any kind of badge uh, opening for the door or like a scan of your hand or anything. Maybe she just ran in there and she just yelled, I was nominated for an Oscar. And they just, <laughs> threw, they just threw her a gun. <laughs> they were like, well, if you put it that way. Yeah, it's that uh, Lori Metcalf exception. <laughs> it's that Metcalf magic, as they say. <laughs> so, um, well, that's how we're going to justify it. Um, we also have an email from Danae who writes, quote, I loved having a Wynn-centric episode again. I love seeing the James Winship friendship again in this episode because it had been a while since they'd hung out. Jeremy is an amazing actor and all of his scenes just made me tear up. It was really cool how he turned around and decided to channel his inner toy man, but instead used it for good. It reminded me of Lena when she decided to use her Luther smarts, but not for the evil ways her family is known for. I hope we might see Wen and Lena hang out in the future to dis- to discuss wanting to be good when fearing you'll turn out like your family. And speaking of emotional stories, the story of Mirren and Jean was beautiful. I wasn't really sure where they were going with Mirren's character because we've never really seen other aliens struggling with English and adapting to Earth like this. I'm really curious where they are going with this, and I'll take an emotional Jean-Alex scene any day. And although Lena wasn't in this episode a whole lot, I love her voicemail. If you have this number, you must be important. <laughs> that was pretty good. And uh, Danae says uh, that that sounds right, that her email would say that. And it seems she figured out more about Sam's situation than I thought she would. I was thinking she discovered a personality disorder by Sam's behavior, but keeping her in an underground medical lab implies she knows it's a bit more than a mental problem. I'm really excited to see where that will go and to finally see some scientist Lena again, unquote. And I I think we're going to get some scientist Lena, but I really, I think you're right, Morgan. She needs a lab coat. Yeah, she definitely needs a lab coat. So I probably should have maybe mentioned this earlier, but I did question when I, after that scene, who's been watching her daughter? It's a good question. (laughs) Like she's out like down there chilling in her in her ball gown, uh <laughs> getting her her blood scans or whatever. But like where is where's Ruby? Like how much time has passed? Because it seems like 
Lena has been blowing off James for a couple of days. Is is Ruby just out there like making mac and cheese every night for dinner? <laughs> Easy mac all the time. I think it's quite possible with Lena Luther's uh, pull and her wealth, she probably could hire some sort of nanny or uh, keeper to watch over Ruby while things are going on. Maybe she told Ruby like, "Hey, I know your mom." You know something's wrong with her. I'm gonna try to help her. You know we're we're gonna work on that, and and you're just gonna have to kind of hang out with this this person for a little while. Maybe she just gave her like a, a nanny. Maybe she, I'm sure Lena took some uh, precautions to make sure that Ruby was taken care of. I don't think she would just be like, "Okay, Ruby, you're on your own. <laughs> you're on your own now. You're on your own, kid. <laughs> Time to learn what the world is like. <laughs> I'm gonna go experiment on your mom in an underground medical bunker." <laughs> You do you. Maybe Ruby's just like having the time of her life, like eating eating ice cream for breakfast and yeah. skipping school. <laughs> just really living that Ferris Bueller's day off life 24-7. <laughs> I'm just going to assume that Lena has taken all the necessary precautions with Ruby. I think that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out. I just wanted to point out that I had a momentary um, – a momentary – concern for ruby <laughs> well hopefully that will be addressed next week and we'll find out what's going been going on with ruby so fanny wrote us an email saying this week's episode had a mix of fun action friendship and emotions it had a feel of season one which to me was the best one it was also refreshing to see Kara standing up for herself with monel instead of moping uh last but not least the karaoke was so much uh, was so fun even though we all know the cast can all sing the writers decided to go with goofy songs and i especially liked melissa and her beastie boys song i listened to many interviews with the cast in the past and they always talk about how melissa likes to sing rap songs from the 80s and 90s on the set so i think this was a gift to the cast from the writers of the show it looked like the actors were having a blast uh we also have an email from gina who writes quote Cara being her goofy self was something I feel I haven't seen in a long time. Melissa's facial expressions throughout the, uh, I'll keep wanting to say karaoke, the <laughs> karaoke scene was everything. She did have some fun facial expressions. She, she did seem very surprised by James when he got up to sing. <laughs> like, I think she wasn't uh, expecting that voice to come out of him. Um, Gina also says, I could watch gifts of them all day. I absolutely loved seeing Cara having fun and being happy. Most of all, however, was her standing her ground with Monel. Uh, I can't be that person was one of her best lines to him. I'm so mon negative that I guess I'm biased. However, what guy complains to his ex girlfriend about about his wife lying, then straight up asks her out for a drink in the same breath? I know, right? <laughs> Uh, Gina says, uh, I was so happy Kara saw through it and was upfront and honest with him. Uh, Gina also goes, goes on to say, obviously the main focus was when and his relationship with Mary. There was definitely a parent-child theme going on here with that and Jean and Mirren's heartbreaking storyline there going down. Both are relationships that are going in opposite directions, when and Mary heading towards a resolution, while Jean and Mirren are about to experience their relationship head towards a fight to keep it together after being apart for so long. It's so heartbreaking, but it was great to have Mirren back in the fold. And he's an Elvis fan. He sang my favorite Elvis song, unquote. So, Gina, those are great points about how those two dynamics between Wynn and his mother and Jean and his father, they're taking opposite turns. 
That's a really, really great point. And our final email comes from New Rachel. <laughs> oh, New Rachel, thanks for joining us over here on Supergirl Radio. We love <laughs> you on uh, on the uh, Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We have many Rachels on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, so we can't play favorites. <laughs> uh, but New Rachel's a good one. Um, so <laughs> so uh, she writes, uh, Dear Supergirl Radio, uh, before I get to my thoughts on this week's episode, finally, I have been going through Smallville in the past few months and i'm currently on season eight but i found it interesting that episode 11 of that season titled legion was released on the exact same day as the supergirl episode legion of superheroes january 15th just nine years prior it probably wasn't on purpose but i just thought that was a fun coincidence bit of trivia for you all Hmm. that is interesting with that out of the way, I thought this was a really good return episode and actually pretty fun to watch, despite focusing on several serious topics and family drama. But hey, I guess that's what you sign up for when the Toy Man is involved in an episode. It was nice to see Kara and Monel moving on from their relationship, and with him training her, I hope that we get more of them as friends and coworkers. Also, selfishly, I want to see more of the Legion working as a team together, especially Monel and Brainy, as Monel called him his best friend, and we have not really gotten to see that yet. I still can't get over the pun in the episode's title, but it was accurate as both the tension with Wynn's family and the storyline with John and his dad hit hard. Wynn's story seems to have been resolved, but whatever is going on with Mirren, or however his name is spelled, the apostrophe moves. I think it moves every time uh, his name is anywhere. I think that's part of his, uh, I mean, that, that's got to be confusing for him. Just where to put that apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to nail that down. But she says that whatever's going on with Mirren seems to be only just beginning. Uh, finally, I love Lena's voicemail message, and her dress certainly made a statement. But I can't <laughs> help but, w- <laughs> but wonder where she and Sam are, what she's going to do with Sam, and perhaps, most importantly... Who's watching Ruby at this point? Okay, so it's not just me, New Rachel. (laughs) New Rachel is with me. (laughs) All right. Um, Also, two questions. One, if the rest of the main supporting cast got to sing at karaoke night, what do you think they would sing? Okay, I'm a little bit confused about this question. So are we talking about the actors... about what the actors might sing at karaoke or the characters. And if we're talking about what the characters would sing, are we going with characters like Cat Grant and Brian the Alien? I feel like we got to be going with characters like Cat, because like most of the main cast did sing at karaoke. So I feel like it would be like maybe Cat Grant or Maggie, Brian the Alien, Snapper Carr, you know, the Kelly, you know. The essential characters, the important ones, the big ones. That's really tough. The only answer I could come up with was that I think Cat Grant is definitely a Pat Benatar fan. Is there a song which is like a whole bunch of snapping in it? Because <laughs> that, that's the one that Snapper should sing. Because then finally we'll get our snap. <laughs> Maybe the Adams Family. Oh, the Adams Family theme song. It's like, do-do-do-do. I like it. Yes. We would get some snaps. Uh, he seems like maybe that would be fun for him. Um, it would certainly be fun for us. Um, what would Brian the alien would have to sing something about like his life of crime. I feel like maybe he should sing like a Skid Row song. Maybe Brian the alien is like super hardcore and he's just going to like pull out like the slip knot. Just go, <laughs> the lights go crazy. He just is screaming. So finally, I think Kelly 
uh, possibly the most important character on this list, <laughs> would sing a Taylor Swift song. Yeah, I think Taylor Swift. But I feel like she's a Taylor Swift girl. Yeah. She was. Oh, sorry. R.I.P. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> oh, that cut <laughs> deep. Poor without for Kelly. <laughs> that cut deep using the was. I'm so sorry. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. That, that does. Oh, uh, what, what song would Maggie sing? I feel like she would also sing a sad song because I feel like she's probably in about the same place as Alex is. Would she be like an alternative music person? Would she be like a Green Day fan? I don't. I don't. Or maybe is is there a sad bare naked lady song? Oh it, no! It would definitely be bare naked ladies. It would, it's got to be some bare naked ladies. It would definitely yes. It's been <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would definitely you nailed it on the head. New Rachel's last question: If you were at karaoke night. What would you sing? Okay, so, new Rachel, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> oh, my God, Rebecca, I just scrolled <laughs> down. <laughs> this is why this Google Doc is so long. I think about this not all the time, but I think about it a lot because I would like to do karaoke more often. I, I used to, with my friends, we would do, like, Guitar Hero stuff. And uh, I don't want to brag, but I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, I did the uh, Beastie Boys, uh, So What You Want. I did that on expert <laughs> level twice. To- oh. Totally aced it. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Um, I can fake it sometimes when I need to. Uh, but I, I do think that there are some songs that I would like to try at karaoke. There was one time I was on a cruise and I tried to get brave enough. It's it's sometimes it's hard. I, you think it you would think it would be easier in front of a bunch of people you don't know, but uh, for some reason on the ship I was intimidated. But I really wanted to do Dixie Chicks. Um, oh my gosh! Now I'm blanking on that song name. Goodbye Earl. I really wanted to do that song on that ship. I think I could do Dixie Chicks pretty well. I uh, I belt out wide open spaces on the regular. I think I could do uh, that. I would love to try my hand at rap. I, I could do some old school salt and pepper. Nice. I could do Taylor Swift. Uh, I could I could do definitely do Amy Grant. I would be an expert at Amy Grant. Uh, the Heart Emotion and Behind the Eyes albums. Just pick a song. Uh, I could do it. Uh, I love some Sarah Bareilles. I think I would like to try a Sarah Bareilles. Um, but there are some songs that I would find that I would want to sing the harmony to, and then I, w- I would just mess it up. So there are some <laughs> there are some things that there are some things that would 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 maybe hold you back. Yes. So it, song choice really is key with karaoke. That is very true. So I, I don't know. How about you, Morgan? <laughs> definitely, definitely not Florence and the Machine. I, I have a couple go tos. Like I mentioned before, since you've been gone, you need no actual singing ability uh, <laughs> to to really to really commit to that one. You just need to maybe be a little angry. Uh, just think about something that makes you angry and the ability to scream. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would definitely do a little since you've been gone. I mean, don't stop believing is a classic for <laughs> a reason. You should never stop believing. Um, <laughs> so I I do go to karaoke occasionally with my friends, um, and we do those like those karaoke boxes like where you get the room all to yourself oh nice and you like get the screen and you can sing the song so it's a little bit less embarrassing than having to do it in front of a whole bunch of other people you're just kind of in there with your group and they all know you're you're not good so it's fine um (laughs) but we always do 
um, I think it's Don't Fear the Reaper. Not because we love that song or anything, but because the music video that they have in the background is just really funny. It's like this guy who like randomly turns into a vampire uh, while he's on a date with this girl and then chases her around her what seems to be a two-bedroom apartment with, <laughs> where like she randomly has garlic to like fend him off. It's really good, but he, she, she chases her around there all night and then the morning comes and the light comes through and he's like, oh no, who could have seen this coming? And it's a, it's a great, if you ever have a chance, if you're like in a karaoke box and you're like, what would be a great music video? Like, see if they have the Don't Fear the Reaper music <laughs> video. It's really, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Good tip. Um, there was also one song that I highly recommend to do if you're looking for fun uh, karaoke songs. Um, my my karaoke for the last couple years has been mostly like guitar hero stuff. Uh, when I go to friends' houses, um, but the B fifty two song "Rock Lobster" is like the weirdest song, and <laughs> it's so much fun to sing because it's just it's so weird. Uh, so I would highly recommend that one. That's also a really good one. Oh, you know what? It's also a really good song that we we stumbled upon one time by accident. It's called Sail by, I think it's like AWOL Nation. I had to just Google it. Um, talking about songs that you don't need any musical ability, I believe the whole the whole song is just the word sail screamed very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend. Like, do you want to sing something, but you don't want to remember more than one word? There you go. <laughs> That makes me think of the they might they might be giant song called Minimum Wage. I am gonna look that one up. Just at the very beginning, someone's just like Minimum Wage, and then that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the only lyric in the song. Um, they might be giants would also be a good one. I'd want to try a karaoke. Uh, I I love the Flood album. I could pretty much sing any that that Minimum Wage song. I think is from that Flood album. Um, so I would want to try They Might Be Giants. Oh, and I feel like I should mention that, like, I would love to be able to do, like, some Hamilton karaoke just because there was a period of time. And I don't know if this is still true, but I did know, like, literally every single word to that whole musical. <laughs> I'm sure they ha- they almost have to have those somewhere. Like- I feel like they have to have it by now. Like, the last time I went, there definitely wasn't Hamilton. And I was very sad about it because I was like, what is this knowledge for then? <laughs> why, do I- why do I have this in my head and not more useful information? They probably have those themed karaoke places somewhere. So look it up and uh, get back to me. Let me know if you ever uh, go do it. Nice. Um, Well, that's a great set of questions there, New Rachel. Um, Top notch. I think we talked a little bit too long about our karaoke (laughs) hopes and dreams. You were going to be like, I thought this was a Supergirl podcast, (laughs) but now it's just all karaoke selection. Uh, Tweet us or email us at supergirlradio and supergirlradio at gmail.com. Tell us what songs you would uh what what is your go-to karaoke song if you go to karaoke uh would love to hear what everybody else has has to recommend uh that maybe we could try them uh but that's been all of our feedback but before we wrap up the feedback section we have some snap judgments sit in by some listeners in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. We have a lot of snap judgments. Whoa. Like, oh my gosh, okay. the most we've <laughs> had in any given e- episode. So we might have to just like 
lightning round this we're one. gonna have to just go through these yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe maybe we'll hold to the uh no explanation here although if there's something that you feel like you have to explain that will be allowed as well okay, okay. so first set of snap judgments come from Danae asking the alien bar or the karaoke bar which may have been the same place but we'll just, uh, for this sake of the snap judgment, we'll, we'll act like they are separate and two different bars. So the alien bar or the karaoke bar, which would you pick? I'm going karaoke bar. I would also go karaoke bar. Uh, the next one is, who would you rather have revealed as Lena's birth mother, President Olivia Marsden or Wynn's mother, Mary? So that would make uh, Wynn and Lena brother-sister. Yeah, well, I mean, they're both smart. Would you go with Wynn's mother? No, I'm going with uh, Olivia Marsden. If you can have <laughs> Wonder Woman be your mom, have Wonder Woman be your mom. I, th- I It's a good choice, uh, but I'm kind of intrigued by the, uh, the prospect of Lena and uh, Wynn being brother and sister. Uh, so the next one is tomato pie or brown water. Which would you rather have? <laughs> brown water. Oh, I love me some tomato pie. I would definitely pick that. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next one is, would you rather have Ruby teaching Alex how to bake pancakes without setting off the smoke detector or Lena teaching Mirren how to play chess? Hmm. I'm going to go uh, Lena and Mirren. I would also go Lena teaching Mirren how to play chess. Man, uh, I have a feeling that Lena would teach him how to play dirty. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she would show him all the ways to trick somebody. Um, okay, so the next snap judgment is how should Rain and Supergirl's final battle go? A rap battle or a diva duet? <laughs> would, would you rather see Morgan? I mean, I want to see a rap battle. I mean, it's got to be a rap battle. I mean, it's got battle right in the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last one from Danae is who would you want to be the third wor- world killer? Eve Tessmacher, Miss Tessmacher! Or <laughs> Pam from HR. I mean, I just got to know more about Pam from HR. I feel like Pam from HR is hiding things. She has some <laughs> yes. secrets. Dark secrets. <laughs> so the next set of uh, snap judgments we have is from Gina. And uh, Gina asks, which one would you want to see? A Mary Wynn duo or a Space Dad Space Granddad duo? And I maybe she means uh, like a karaoke song? Yeah, I could see. Yeah. Um Hmm. I, I'm going to go Space Granddad and Space Dad. I think that one would be the more fun one to watch because uh, I, I, I there's, there, there's that talk singing. And then, I don't know, Space Granddad kind of killed it on Elvis. They're bringing different talents to the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'd be interested in the song choice there. Uh, Gina's next snap judgment is more drunk Alex karaoke or more rapping Cara karaoke. Hmm. I'm going to go drunk Alex karaoke because I like, for real laughed when she stopped the song to take a sip of her drink. Uh, just like Celine Dion would have done it. Uh, I would also go more drunk Alex at karaoke. Uh, Gina's last snap judgment is Supergirl versus Flying Monkeys or Monel versus Giant T-Rex Toy. That's actually kind of a tough question, um, but I'm going to go Supergirl versus the Flying Monkeys. I would also go Supergirl fly- versus the Flying Monkeys because of that cool speed ramping heat vision shot. That was awesome. So I would choose that one. Okay, so our last set of snap judgments comes from Emily. The first one is, which parent uh, should we meet next? James's mom or Ruby's dad? Ooh, that's a tough one. What do you say, Morgan? That is a tough one. Okay, so I have to explain my thought process behind this one a little <laughs> bit because I feel like 
story-wise, we probably should meet Ruby's dad. But I just feel like poor James has, we know nothing about him. So I'm going James's mom. I would also choose James's mom as well for similar uh, explanational reasons. Uh, the next snap judgment from Emily is which is the more random romantic pairing, Eliza and Jean or Alex and Lena? Which would you pick? Ooh, those are both very random. Um, you know what? I'm going to have to say this is a tough one. I'm going to have to say Alex and Lena because there have been a couple Elijah Zahn scenes where I'm like, huh? <laughs> Aw. <laughs> yeah, I think Eliza and Jean kind of make sense in some level because Jean sort of protected the Dan the Danvers uh, sisters. So I think if we're going for random, I think Alex and Lena is what I would pick. Um, so our last and most important snap judgment of this episode of Supergirl Radio. Which would be the more on-the-nose karaoke pick that could have been in this episode? Imra singing Jolene or James singing Call Me Maybe? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, James singing Call Me Maybe would be amazing. <laughs> I, I want that now. If we're going on-the-nose, I'm going to have to pick uh, uh, Jolene. No judgments on your snap judgments. I feel so bad for Emra. And I but does that make Kara Jolene? I feel like it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I always when I hear uh Dolly Parton sing that, I'm like, Jolene, man, she's such a floozy. Just <laughs> just stay away from Dolly's man. That's all she's yeah. asking you to do. She's asking really nicely, Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I hate for what that uh, means for Kara, what that makes Kara, but I don't know. I think it's a little more fitting. So those are all some great snap judgments. Thank you guys for sending those in and for everybody who emailed and tweeted at us uh, to leave some feedback. So I think that's going to cover it for our thoughts and feedback on a shot through the heart. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on the website at supergirlradio.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show, and we'll have the jams from this episode, because there were a lot of them. And uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. And we are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And we should probably remind listeners that we have a DC TV uh, Podcast T public store now, which you can find the link to if you go to supergirlradio.com and you go to the top of the page, you can find that link to the store and check out all of our merch. We got some cool stuff in there. We got some Comica Girl design t-shirts. We've got all the S-Shields that you can uh, imagine, some very specific Supergirl-related S-Shields. We've got rain t-shirts in there. So if you want some cool Supergirl merch, I would highly recommend going over to the T-Public store to check them out. We also have Legends of Tomorrow t-shirts. Actually, the Legends of Tomorrow t-shirts, I always tell Morgan, like, these are really cool. 
um, as Supergirl fans, we got up our game because the Legends of Tomorrow fans, they're crushing us on t-shirt designs. We got a lot of Bebos over there. If you, if you thought to yourself, I would love a Bebo on a shirt, don't worry. We've got you covered. <laughs> we have got the Bebo shirts for you. <laughs> Praise Bebo. We've got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some uh, Legends of Tomorrow. We've got some Supergirl. We've got some Flash. We've got some Arrow. We've got your classic DC uh, uh, TV shows covered. We got some Titan stuff. We got some Krypton stuff. So if you want some DC TV merchandise, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the T Public Store link at the top of the page. That will take you to the store and you can check out all of our merch. And that's a great way to support the podcast, to support the uh, DC TV Podcast Network, and also get some cool stuff for yourself. So uh, if you, if you want to check that out, uh, look, uh, look out for our social media posts because we'll let you know when there's some sales going on. Because uh, I'd like to let our listeners know so that you can get a couple bucks off. So check out and make sure that you're following us everywhere on the Twitters and the Instagram and the Facebooks uh, so you can know when the sales are happening. And if you would like to follow me, uh, you can do that on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can check me out on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And you can also check out some videos of mine over at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. I'm currently working on a new video. Uh, surprise, surprise. It's about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, Zack Snyder put out a contest to... Uh, Everybody who wanted to submit some references they found about things, and I had an idea for something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. So I'm currently working on a new video for that, and hopefully it'll make sense. Hopefully it's a big theological, philosophical uh, kind of idea, but I think the movie uh, does a good job of asking big questions about it. Uh, and I'm also a contributor to a JLU podcast, which you can find, which is the Justice League Universe podcast. I should say that. That's what JLU stands for. Uh, you can find that over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And you can find me on Twitter um, and Instagram at mojotastic, M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. Um, and you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I think we're taking a, a week or two off to just, you know, decompress and really think about the season. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, we are always scheduling nightmares. Um, but <laughs> we are uh, going to come back and have a full Legends of Tomorrow season three recap episode and we've got some other fun stuff planned for the uh for the break so you should um you should subscribe you should listen hey if you haven't watched legends of tomorrow this is a great time to like jump in because we're gonna just we're gonna talk about the entire season so if you're like i want to know what it's about and also i would like to spoil all of those episodes for myself <laughs> guess what podcast is for you <laughs> Is there any way that I can invite myself onto the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, even if I don't watch the show? You are always welcome on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. <laughs> I'll be like, just explain to me what happened because I didn't watch it. That'll be a great guest appearance. We came up with this idea with a couple of my friends at Comic-Con that don't watch the show where we're going to do, we want to do like a drunk history <laughs> where we just like, we have them have a couple of drinks and then we just give them like, like a one sentence description of the episode. And then we just have them tell us what they think happened. Now, again, they've never watched the show. Well, I think that is a, uh, an idea that you maybe uh, should,
should uh, implement sometime in the near future. That would be a delight to listen to. Uh, I'm not a drinker, so I can't participate in that. But you could still put a description in front of me, and I could guess. I could, I could uh, tell you. I could tell you a story. I could weave a story. It works for anyone, really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'll be looking forward to that. Um, But I think that's going to do it for this entire episode on Shot Through the Heart. But it's not over because if you want (laughs) to hang around for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I am still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, the next time you go to karaoke night, that it will require great courage. Or a complete lack of shame. real Old Testament stuff. It can affect anyone. Your body seems to be changing. Changing? What? What did I just say? Supergirl. All new episode next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called In Search of Lost Time. The official description reads, quote, When Mirren inadvertently causes psychic disturbances at the DEO, Supergirl must work with Jean to contain the resulting chaos. Meanwhile, Monel begins training Kara in fighting techniques he's learned in the future for battling world killers, unquote. So, Morgan, what sticks out about this description that uh, you would be looking forward to the most? Well, I'm excited to see that, like, Mirren is going to be in the next episode and isn't just getting shuffled off to, uh, like... Um, the forgotten section of, of Supergirl. So that means that we're definitely going to get more of the storyline that started in this episode. So I'm really excited to see more of uh, Mirren and John um, together because I do, I do really like the combination of, of those two characters and the two actors. Uh, not as excited about the Monel stuff, but I mean, uh, is that surprising to anyone? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that stuff could be cool to see Kara learning something. Maybe he's going to teach her that cape trick, though. That cape trick was cool. That was pretty awesome. So I think she could maybe she could maybe learn some stuff uh, to do with her cape. I think those are some skills that she could use. She doesn't do a lot of cape action, although there was that one awesome moment. In season one, when she uh, rescues Alex and she has to cover Alex with her cape when there's fire. So she did use her cape in that one instance. But if she if she wanted to learn some cape tricks, I think that that would be a good, you know, another good set of skills in her arsenal that she could she could get out when she's fighting some bad guys. And especially the world killers. I mean, she's she's going to need some new skills probably for that. So hopefully we'll get to find out more about the World Killers next week. And uh, like you, I'm excited about the Mirren stuff just because I'm curious about how they show his his powers, like or his powers, or is the deterioration of his mind is that going to be causing the psychic disturbances? Like I'm 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 interested to see how they play that with the the Martian abilities and all of that kind of thing. So 
that could be interesting. And of course, I think in the trailer, we got to see more of Rain slash Sam. So I'm definitely looking forward to that because I really want to know what Lena's been doing down there in that bunker. Those are my big questions. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.